Hi guys, welcome back to my Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Another day, another interview, and a fantastic interview it will be. I've got Ishan Shu with me. Ishan is a, uh, is a sleep consultant, and the sleep is such a fundamental thing that supports us, sustains us, and without which we would be dead. It's as simple as that. Okay, sleep is, is one of the integral parts of our recovery, of our rehabilitation on a daily level, yet we butcher it, we distort it, we beat it into submission. And then we think, hmm, why don't I feel right? So time to take a very, very close up look at sleep. Ishan, thank you so much for coming on to my show. Thanks for having me. No, it's beautiful. What made you become a sleep consultant out of, of all the medical specialties? It is, how did you fall into that? Yeah, that's uh, actually a long journey. I'm a clinical psychologist. I actually never know sleep is its own field, but I grew up with a lot of sleep problems in my family. My dad actually snored really loud all his life. I thought it was normal all these years. My mom, now look back, she definitely had sleep, uh, insomnia before. She just cannot fall asleep easily, cannot stay asleep easily. We all think, you know, it's just normal daily life stress. It's also normal. Um, but after I got my license in clinical psychology, I got this chance to study, to learn more about sleep in Stanford Sleep Center. Through studying, I realized, wow, there's so much I don't know. And there's so much Chinese population don't know about sleep. And actually through talking to those professors and learning a little bit about that, I decide, you know what? This is a field I really love. I want to know more and more about that. So I just dig in and now I've been in that field for a while. Beautiful, beautiful. As I said, it is such, a, such an unsung hero, the sleep. I was, I was, I'm a go-getter. I'm a man who has always been out there, go, 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 coffee, in the past, alcohol, which gave me sort of the second wind. I would do a full day at work, come home, be tired, have a bottle of wine, suddenly, bing, wide awake. It's midnight, let's clean up the garage. Bidim, 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 bidim. And then it's three o'clock in the morning, and then, and then I called that sleep. And I know, no, 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 no. So one of the very first things I became fiercely protective about in rehab was my sleep. And other people hung around and then talked. Sorry, it's eight o'clock, boys. <laughs> I have never been in bed at eight o'clock. It became like an addiction to go to bed at eight o'clock. And admittedly, they gave me some, some medications to help me there. Um, but it, even to this day, I try to protect my sleep. So I'm so on your, on your side. Maybe what we should say is, why do we need to sleep? Why, why does the body need sleep? I mean, it's, it's a waste of our time, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Think about human beings and animals. We spend how long our whole life journey in sleep, right? I think there's a reason evolutionarily we still have to sleep. 
Uh, even in the ancient time, there's danger all across us. There are animals going to eat us. It's darkness outside. It's we, we did not have enough weapon to protect ourselves. We still need to sleep. I think just like you just mentioned at the beginning, sleep is necessarily necessary for survival. We all need it and animals are needed. If you observe those animals, when they uh, migrate, when they travel every year, they actually, during that period, their sleep pattern can look very differently than how they sleep in other situations. So there are some reasons behind it. When it's dangerous, we don't sleep enough. But when everything's safe, we do need sleep. Sleep helps us emotionally be stable. Cognitively, we can think, we can pay attention, we can remember things, we can function. And yeah, people all feel awful if we don't sleep well. So it's such an important thing. What is the record? What is the longest scientifically proven time that someone stayed awake? Mm. Uh, I remember there are quite several research long time ago. There are even what that's the, the world record for staying up. Uh, I could not remember the number exactly, but I can find it and let you know exact number I later. And kept awake and kept awake and they looked at their performance and it went for days and once they came to to two days without I mean 48 hours without without sleep for crying out loud these were walking zombies and they pushed it and pushed it and pushed it and I think by 98 hours they came to a point where they actually had had suitcases full of money and I said, look, come on, man, just two more hours, two more hours. And this whole suitcase of money is yours. You can choose, stay away, come on, just another two hours. And they couldn't do it. So that was that. But that was that was ages ago, was the black and white kind of scientific film from the late 60s. So I don't know if people nowadays, how they have pushed themselves. And these were, these scientific, scientific experiments were, uh, done without any stimulus, so without any any uh, any caffeine, without any drugs, there was no speed involved, etc. So right, I I knew of two of them. One of them, um, the participant actually years later got a mental breakdown. Wow. I don't know whether it's directly related to those several days of sleep deprivation. Mm. The other participant, um, all around that time, 60s or 70s, the other participant was fine later, but during those several days of sleep deprivation, I think researchers detect some very minor micro-sleep um, mm. moments. So, but it still counts as staying awake, mm. but our brain gonna try to protect us by creating those micro-sleep moments Absolutely. from time to time. And any memoir that you read of soldiers that had to escape and walk, like let's say the, the Germans on their retreats, uh, walking days, fighting, walking, fighting, walking, um, they they report these absentees, absent this this kind of absent minded. They are suddenly find themselves in a place and have no idea how they got there, and their body just walked whilst their mind was actually shut off. So there are actually emergency shutoff systems in our in our deeply ingrained reptilian brain, 
And that already gives you an idea, hang on, if there are actually shut off valves there. Uh, and actually the body must, must be saying, well, actually sleep is not so bad, is it? And indeed, if you think about it, there is so much that happens during the sleep. And maybe we should go a little bit deeper into sleep because it, sleep is not just sleep, it's not just sleep. You know, sleep has got a funky architecture that might be a bit confusing, but can you break it down into simpler terms? So for people to understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for people who are not in this field to understand it, um, sleep has different stages. So we have like light stage of sleep, like stage one, stage two. That's actually when we fall asleep, we quickly go through stage one, stage two, then go to deep sleep, which is stage three. And but we roll um, into it, out it, in it, out it. So um, light stage of sleep, deep stage of sleep, in and out, in and out, several rounds. And then the second half of the night, we're gonna go into REM sleep. And in REM sleep, that's when we dream. During REM sleep, actually, we have quite frequent break weakenings. So we wake up momentarily and fall back asleep. But most time we don't remember those weakenings. And basically we stay in REM sleep, and um, roll in REM sleep, stage one, two, wake, REM, go dead several rounds, and then we wake up eventually. So that's our uh, different stage of sleep. And they all have different functions for us. The funny thing is for light stage of sleep, stage one, two, we actually, it's very difficult for us to distinguish that from being awake. It can feel kind of similar. Uh, in light stage of sleep, we may still have five senses. We can still hear sound, we can still feel the touch, we can still smell things. So a lot of people with insomnia would come to ask me, say they did not sleep the whole night. But if you let them sleep in the, um, do a sleep study, where all these wires to sleep for one night, you detect actually they sleep fine, they sleep quite several hours. But they think if they have five senses, their brain still thinking and working, they must be awake, not necessarily. Sometimes that possibly you're in this light stage of sleep. Uh, you're not 100% sharp and logical, but you can still think somewhat, feel somewhat, but you are still sleeping. You describe uh, for, a lot of my colleagues here during daytime. <laughs> kidding, 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 kidding. Stop it, stop it, stop. Cut, cut. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> yeah, so that's really scary people and confuse people. I did not sleep. No, I sleep. I did not sleep. Well, you actually slept. Um, so for deep stage of sleep, it's actually for children, teenagers, that stage is quite long and necessary. Because one thing for deep sleep is to release growth hormone. That help us grow bigger, taller, help our whole body really grow. So for children, young children up to teenage year, deep sleep stage, the percentage is quite large. As we get older, deep sleep gets shorter and shorter. And for REM sleep, when we dream, it's actually really helpful for us to consolidate memories, especially emotional memories. It's very important for our uh, emotional health, mental health. 
So all this stage, I would say they are very, very important. And a healthy person, adult or children, we should all have all these different stage of sleep. And there are certain range for different stage. Um, a lot of time, it's not as much as we think. It's not like you have tons of deep sleep means your sleep is good. You have to have REM also. And actually our deep sleep is not even that long. It's only like 10% to 15% per night. And that's normal, that's healthy. So you, you don't want a whole night of deep sleep. That's not necessarily the best thing. Indeed, right. And that's that's the important bit, isn't it? There, there, and there's a reason for all that. That is whoever, whatever has designed us, it did it with a purpose. So this is not just, hey, why don't we let them yo-yo around through their sleep? No, each and every part of that sleep pattern has got a very fundamental and important thing. And we know that because there are sleep disorders where these, these where the sleep architecture, as we call it, is completely uprooted, completely destroyed. And then the flow on effects in daily life for these people can be tremendous. It's interesting. I mean, you were, you were discussing the snoring of your father earlier. Let's talk about the obstructive sleep apnea, because that is, from a doctor's point of view, it's a it's a huge issue for those of you who do not know much what we're talking about obstructive sleep apnea is something that 90 percent of the cases are because we are bigger people we're obese or morbidly obese but 10 percent can be in normal slim people where just the anatomy of the the mouth and throat are not so well well aligned and what is happening every single night you basically get strangled 50 times, 100 times, where literally you can't breathe. And then you sort of initially you snore, then you stop breathing. This is literally the episodes where nothing happens. And then <coughs> wake up and, and that's a huge adrenaline rush. And then you fall asleep again. And the same keeps going, you know, as I said, 50, 100 times brutal and because we as a population are getting bigger and bigger and bigger in the western world this is nowadays three four percent of the population we estimate that this is the case uh and that's probably going rather up that figure than, than anywhere else so what happens to someone who is snoring constantly where the wife from now and then sort of goes come on breathe that kind of thing. What happens from a sleep quality point of view? Yeah, snoring definitely is a warning sign. It's after I learned it, I learned it definitely is not normal because when we snore, is our body is trying very hard to breathe. Why it's tried so hard? Because our airway kind of collapsed. The muscle tone, when we, especially in REM sleep, we lose the muscle tone, the muscle tone reduced. So our airway got rested and it's closed or near closed. That make our body really difficult to get air in. Then we start putting a lot of effort, our brain, our heart, our whole body organ need oxygen. So we're really trying hard to pull air in to, through this narrow, narrow airway at night. 
And when it's almost collapsed, it's just, or sometimes it collapsed by time. We try really hard even to make noise and to open the airway a little bit so air can go through it. And what you talk about the event is you can go to do a sleep study, find out how many of those kind of events you have per minute. And if you are severe enough, you can have more than 30 or 40 per minute. And there, there are definitely some people have 50 to 100 events per minute. Think about every second you are like stop breathing and that's awful. Um, that directly make our body cannot get enough oxygen. So the oxygen saturation level can be really low. And that leads to our brain and our heart does not get enough air and that causes suffocate. And long-term like that, day after day after day and year after year like this without a proper treatment, you think, oh, I just snore. But your brain and your heart actually suffer so much after years, it's going to start being sick. So that's why for after years of sleep apnea, without treatment, you are actually increase the risk of having stroke in the future. You are increase the risk of having heart disease. You can even risk um, increase the risk of obesity and uh, uh, any other like health problems. There are a lot of health consequences with untreated sleep apnea because air and breathing, oxygen are very basic things our body needs. If you are not getting enough after years, you can imagine what may happen. And I think the figures are quite clear there. So guys, if you listen to that and you recognize yourself or you recognize your partner doing that, the reality is if you have got moderate to severe sleep apnea, chances that you're dead in five years, I mean dead sort of growing little daisies above you, it's 30%, okay? Uh, the chance of you having a road traffic accident uh, that maims you or kills you is about factor seven, factor 10 higher than normal population because you are a train wreck during the day. You are not awake, you're not healthy. You're, it's just, it's nasty. Um, so if you're snoring and, and your partner has to move into another room, alarm bells, ding, 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 ding. See your doctor, get a referral to a sleep physician or to a sleep service, to a sleep consultant, and whoever in your area is running the sleep studies and actually get that sorted. That is a life-threatening disease, okay? Yeah, just one more thing to add for a lot of people, especially women, you may not snore, but you may have sleep apnea. So, if you have, you know, excessive daytime sleepness, like you said, you cannot wake up, you feel sleepy, no matter how many hours you sleep at night, or you have headache, like dry throats in the morning, um, there's some certain symptoms to make you suspect something's wrong, go to also check it out. Snoring is one significant signal, especially for men, but sometimes it's not there, you can still have the condition. Important, really important. But having said that, so let's say you have got to sleep up near a little bit, and you feel crap, and you have got stress, and you have got a lousy day. And what do you do? Let's have a glass of beer, or wine, 
or whatever alcohol it doesn't matter because ultimately you just feel shit and you want to to stop the pain great so there you are a bottle of wine you're feeling good you're listening to music and then you're falling asleep what's your sleep like after you have had alcohol yeah it's gonna look really bad. <laughs> so when you drink alcohol, yes, you can fall asleep like that. Just like that, you calm down, take you quicker, faster to fall asleep. You feel great. But what the harm really happens is after you fall asleep without you knowing what's going on. Especially if you have sleep apnea, the alcohol after your body got it metabolized, it actually can reduce your muscle tone even further. That increase our airway resistance. That actually increase the events of sleep apnea by 25%. So if you already have the condition and you drink alcohol before sleep time, you can make it more severe basically that night which I observe in my dad, when he went out, you know, in China, we have this like nighttime gathering, drinking, eating at a big group. And then always that night, he gonna snore even louder, mm. take longer, harder to wake him up, according to my mom, you know, just so annoying <laughs> to her. So it's very obvious. It's always more severe, more obvious right after alcohol consumption. Yeah, and yeah, not only for that, it's even, you know, even if you don't have sleep apnea, your sleep quality gonna reduce quite a lot after drinking alcohol. Absolutely, yeah. What about other drugs? What's their effect? We have got here in New Zealand, we have got a, a surge of pee, so amphetamine. And mm. uh, what do stimulants do to sleep? I would say um, they, they all do slightly different things, but overall stimulants uh, or marijuana, whatever that you or nicotine, some of them make you more energetic, some of them supposed to make you more calm, mm. but overall they are harming our sleep similarly that they make our sleep architecture abnormal. Uh, like for example, we're supposed to have certain amount of deep sleep, certain amount of REM sleep to keep our mood, our health stable. But after using different stimulant, certain kind of this stage gonna get suppressed. For example, REM gets suppressed quite a lot. Deep sleep got suppressed a lot also sometimes, depends on what you are taking exactly. So that means under the influence, you are having more light stage of sleep. You're not getting other stage of sleep enough. Mm. So your emotions, your uh, memories are not get processed appropriately. Mm. Then your sleep quality is lower. So um, your whole health or mental health are impaired. During the daytime, you may find it's harder to control my emotions. I'm more irritable or their cognition. I'm more easy to, to fall down or make wrong decisions, more constant, all those things. When you are off those stimulants, you will find your body naturally try to recover from that 
that's when we call RAM rebound effects. If you use a lot of stimulants, suddenly you stop using it. If that stimulant has been suppressing your RAM sleep, for example, then after you stop using it, you will experience a lot of rebound of your RAM stage. That means you're gonna dream a lot at night and those dreams may not be very pleasant because your body is in a very uh, intense stage of recovery. That's what I observed when I worked in a substance abuse facility for people who recover from using alcohol or hard drugs. And when they are not have access of it, then some of them told me they have vivid dreams, scary dreams the whole night, nearly 100%. You can imagine how many years they have suppressed their REM sleep. Exactly, exactly right. And it's, it's, it's weird. On the extreme end of that spectrum is obviously delirium tremens, where, where you completely, as an alcoholic, go off the rockers. You have no idea what's going on. Spiders are crawling. Dinosaurs are walking through the room. You have no idea. Your cognition is gone. And that can be a nasty, 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 at times life-threatening event. Um, so uh, that's where it is so sensible to talk to a GP or to an addiction specialist uh, to help you to not go cold turkey, to not just stop everything from today onwards, I gotta be clean. Yeah, about that. Um, it might not be so sensible, but you're so right. Um, these, these dreams can be so wow in your face. And this might be just just the, you know the spiders and the dinosaurs um often not so nice spiders may i say not the, the pretty dinosaurs um and it can be very very scary and you might not have the full-blown delirium but you will have something there because your brain has been hammered by drugs by alcohol for such a long time and that is the interesting thing because that's where, when you go into recovery that's when you go into rehab that's where your life restarts because suddenly you get this flood of emotions that you have literally tried to drown and now they are coming out and they're coming out in daytime and they're coming out at nighttime. Say hello to your new friends, emotions, yay. And, but it is what it is, guys. So, but it's good to hear actually from a sleep specialist here, this is actually normal because you have you've messed up your sleep architecture for such a long time. So expect that. Don't expect fluffy bunnies and, and things like that. There must be some pain first. And rest assured, everyone has it. Um, rest also assured, you, you will get through that. And there's, it takes some time. It takes days, weeks. There is a, a, a delayed syndrome unfortunately. So some people who um, have withdrawals, they have this acute withdrawal, and then for months, sort of a post-acute withdrawal syndrome. So it might take a while that to get your sleep back, isn't it? I mean, how long? How, I mean, it, that depends also on different substances, isn't it? So each substance mm -hmm. is different. So alcohol withdrawal is very different compared with someone who has smoked marijuana for 30 years. So it, it is. But what is sort of a ballpark figure by which time can you sort of expect that most people 
start to redevelop some healthier architecture? Yeah, I don't think there's a um, certain number of that, but definitely expect, depends on how long you've been using it. Mm. And if, if you've been using it for a year, don't expect days to recover. Uh, and something we always like forget to think about is something simple as caffeine. It's not really substance per se, but it impacts our sleep also. Oh. And even caffeine, we will have withdrawal symptoms. We will have headache, right? That if we drink caffeine for uh, coffee every day or some other type of caffeine, the withdrawal can take several days at least. You, you may experience headache for several days. Um, and for other things, it, it can take up to months uh, or several months for you, for your body to really recover. Um, and sometimes it's weeks, it's fine. Because when I treat people with insomnia, I noticed when we can retrain our brain to form a new sleep habit mm. pretty quick because uh, CBT for insomnia group, sometimes it can only last four weeks. Within four weeks, people can already reduce anxiety, relink the brain with bad, equals sleep, they can redo this um, structure in their brain cognitively and refine their behavioral sleep habit within a month. So I think it's doable, uh, but expect the longer you've been using some substance, the longer it's gonna take for you to really get back to a healthy sleep stage. So true, so true. If you had a time machine, and had all your knowledge now and could go back to be the younger self living with your father uh, at the height of his sleep problems, what would you do? How would you go about it uh, to, to help your father, the man you love? Yeah, I'm still trying to help him, but uh, if back then, <laughs> talking about how hard it is oh, to please, please, your please. family. I, I, give, I give you all the power, and actually, <laughs> I, I have got a magic wand. I will make him mm -hmm. listen. He will oh, awesome. listen. <laughs> so what would you tell him? <laughs> yeah, if he would listen, I would tell him the science behind it, yeah. what this means, how severe this is. This is definitely not normal. I want to pass this information out to him very clearly and help him understand hey, this can cause quite a lot of potential problems later in your life, right? Uh, and we need to do something about it. I would get him on the same page, understand the severity, get him to a sleep lab to do a sleep study, overnight sleep study, get diagnosed and be on CPAP as soon as possible. So CPAP is one of the most classical treatment for sleep apnea. So I would say I'm gonna really educate him and get him diagnosed and treated early on. Very good. So CPAP is continuous positive airway pressure, CPAP. And it basically, it is the same principle as if you were driving as a, as a passenger in a car, 100 kilometers an hour, and you get the window down and put your head out. You get this air coming into your face and it's wild, revigorating, invigorating. Um, well, you don't have to drive 100 kilometers an hour. You can actually just have a mask at nighttime 
sitting over your nose there, which is with a sort of soft strap around you and a machine is blowing air into your airways. And what will happen it is we'll just gently open up the air and we don't need much. This is not the hurricane blowing up your nose. This is just enough to support you. So every time you want to take a breath in, there's some extra little pressure coming in that pushes the tissues out of the way. And suddenly air goes in and out without a problem. I remember oh, eight years ago, thereabouts, I had a guy who had broken his ankle. And I saw him in the pre-op period before we sort of sent him off to sleep to, to fix his ankle. And I diagnosed sleep apnea, and he had no clue what I was talking about. So I said, look, man, this is really quite important to you. And uh, I want to, uh, we will fix your ankle today, but then I want you to see your, your GP and get a referral. And then I forgot about the guy. Um, so we, we fixed his ankle, everything was fine. And oh, maybe a year later, I walked into a local shop, a barbecue factory, and went in there. And one of the salespeople made a beeline straight for me. Bing. You don't remember me, do you? I said, no, sorry. <laughs> and he said, you changed my life. I said, how did I do that? Uh, you told me about that. And I had no idea how bad I was. Uh, I was never really on this planet. I was constantly tired, etc. Now I've got my sleep machine. I'm a different man. And I thought, that's cool. I'm going to get a barbecue cheaper. And no. <laughs> no, the bugger still charged me the whole price. But but I made his life better. So that's cool. Uh, and that is, that is just that we just don't know how bad we are. As you said in your opening sentences, you take it for granted, you take it for normal that you have got a, a shit sleep and you really shouldn't. Now at least, and we need to probably put a caveat in there. Uh, I think from memory about one in 10 nights will be rubbish. So you can't always sleep like a prince or princess and expect perfect outcomes. That's not how life works. So there will be nights that are awful and you just need to roll with the punches. But then your body actually catches up with that a night later or two nights later and where you get a bit of a deeper sleep and then suddenly everything is all right again. Is that, have I uh, represented effects correctly? Exactly. Actually, that's the key point we teach people with insomnia. How to reduce the anxiety is to understand every single person have poor night of sleep, have, you know, no matter how normally they, well they sleep, there's certain nights, nights they just don't do well. And it's totally okay. Because if you, you're not anxious about it, you know, if tonight I'm not sleeping very well, next day I will be more sleepy and I can sleep better. But what really gets in the way for us having long-lasting insomnia is we start worrying about yeah. everything about sleep, worrying about our ability to, to fall asleep, to stay asleep, mm. worrying what they're going to do to us, to our life, to our health. It's those worries really stop us from actually sleeping. Isn't it? And, uh, well, that's full stop. That is regardless of actually you having uh, what the reason for the worries are. So, of course, if you're insomniac and 
and you're worried about the sleep. Well, that's a that's a vicious cycle that is that is happening there. But any kind of other worry, worry translates into adrenaline, into fight and flight response, into high cortisol levels, and they are designed to keep you awake, because your reptilian brain says I'm about to be killed by a snake, a monster, a whatever it is. Um, so it switches on into the fight and flight mode. Thank you very much. That's really, really good to have when you're standing in front of a bus that is about to, to, to flatten you. Let's be clear about that. But the reality is typically our anxiety in nowadays lives is so cranked up by emails, social media, films we watch, coffee we drink, and the alcohol that we're gonna get in there, um, all these kind of things. And suddenly your life is a is just this, this tsunami of adrenaline and we just don't slow down. And there is no longer the serenity. There's no longer the, the return to basic, the, the return to calmness, either through meditation or through mindfulness or through having a spa or a sauna, jacuzzi, whatever you do to switch off and allow your body that calmness. How I many, what, what, it's interesting that you first said CBT and then said CPUP. And I think <laughs> you're on something there, isn't it? Because <laughs> there, is, yeah. there is so much uh, of psychology that is so important to address rather than give someone, oh, here's a machine. There you go, bugger off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> would you agree there? <laughs> yeah, so I think a lot of sleep disorders, some of them definitely you need, you know, machine, medication, other techniques to really help you. But psychological components is definitely part of that. How we think about that, where the anxiety comes from, the confidence um, uh, in ourselves, how much, how well we can manage it, what it can do to us, the hope about recovery, all those play a role. It's very important. The CBT I mentioned, the cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. That is mostly treating insomnia because insomnia actually big part of that is our perception of our own sleep. But for sleep apnea, psychologists definitely can play a role in that too. A lot of people actually really afraid of CPAP. Myself, I actually qualify for a CPAP even though I don't have sleep apnea. I have like upper airway resistance, um, those kind of um, mild version. Um, so, but when I tried it on, I was like, immediately I feel like I almost had a panic attack, which I never had in my life. I'm not a, normally I'm not very anxious type, but that moment I feel like, Maybe I, you know, in a closed space, yeah. suddenly you have a full mask on your face and you cannot get air from anywhere else, but this strong pipe suddenly mm. is quite uncomfortable. Mm. So a lot of people in order to help them to get used to CPAP, psychologists can really use psychological tool to help people get less sensitive mm. to this new machine to getting air from 
external pipe help people understand and get used to and reduce the fears, reduce the anxiety related to CPAP and learn how to relax your body while you are using CPAP. So there are definitely a lot of things psychologists can do. May I say, I, I put some, maybe spanner in the works, I play the devil's advocate now to you out there who are listening. Because if you're listening because you're snoring and you know you have got obstructive sleep apnea, well, 90% chance that you are a bigger person. You're a bigger person because you enjoy food. And there is actually a reason for that. Many of us do suffer from chemical addiction and sugar, amongst many other uh, substances, can be highly, highly addictive. So the eating disorders, our overeating, the raiding of the fridge at 10 o'clock at night to give you finally closure of the day, all these kind of things, uh, you know, it's, I know it well. So maybe your obstructive sleep apnea and you getting to know a sleep service leads you to a psychologist who can help you with getting acceptance of this funny thing sitting on your face. But it might also start a journey where you can explore why you are the size you are, why you have been using your medications maybe rather rather liberally and a bit more than your doctor likes, or why you're drinking the extra 10 classes. Uh, there are reasons for all that, because we are all not having straightforward lives. We have trauma in our lives. We have grief. We have got suffering. We have got shame, guilt, either deserved or undeserved but our 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 brain is amazing about the negative emotions that it can come up with at three o'clock in the morning please the the the, the best of stefan uh all the 30 years 40 years where i stuffed up i get it played back at four o'clock in the morning uh, if i don't look after myself so maybe if you have got really poor sleep and, and insomnia and all that could it be maybe part of a bigger problem that it's not just mm -hmm. your sleep that that is in trouble but actually your life and maybe it might be good to just accept that possibility and talk talk to your to your gb to your family physician about a, a referral to a sleep psychologist a sleep coach how whatever is available in your system in your setting in this world uh but maybe have an open mind and and just listen to to what people like Ishan sort of have to offer so psychologists they are they are such beautiful people i mean for crying out loud you will not find a ceo of a top 500 company who hasn't got a life coach uh translate a psychologist who are helping them to become a better person you will not find an Olympic athlete who hasn't got a performance coach, a life coach, translate a psychologist. And here you are messing around in your life, trying to somehow muddle it all together. And you think, oh, psychologist, I don't need a psychologist. Well, yes, I'm absolutely fine. Rubbish. Okay, just be open. And, and so use, use, uh, salvation use the opportunity for salvation use the 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 opportunity to see a psychologist whenever the the chance 
arises. And when it, then the chance doesn't arise, then, then create a door and open that door and seek some help because we all can live better lives. So Ishan, if someone wants to really get in touch with you, if they want to learn more about you and maybe even uh, work with you, how can they do that? Yeah, so I run my own group practice in San Francisco Bay Area, and uh, the name is Mind Body Garden Psychology. People can just find it um, on our website, mindbodygarden.com. I also have my own podcast about sleep health, all about sleep. I interview all kinds of sleep specialists. So if anyone wants to learn more about sleep topic for free um, and then decide whether they want to go into see a sleep specialist, they can find the podcast called Deep Into Sleep. It's also on my website. Brilliant. And I've got the links down there. Look into the description of the video and of the podcast so you can easily get touch with, uh, in touch with Isha. Um, uh, it was wonderful to, to talk sleep with you. It's such, an, such a beautiful subject, such an intriguing subject because we are not there when the miracle actually is happening. We are unconscious and, and we take it so much for granted. And... Now it is nowadays I've got a hellish respect for a good sleep and therefore a high, high appreciation of your skills and your abilities to help so many people out there to live such a fundamentally better life. So please don't stop what you're doing. We need more people like you. Um, so psychologist in training, come on, get in touch with Vishan. She, she knows how to, <laughs> to, to, to infuse you. And so you guys out there, please, please, please uh, don't take uh, bad, bad nights for granted. Do something about it. Ishan, I'm, I was honored to have you on my show. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you very much for having me. This is a pleasure to discuss this with you. Absolutely. You guys out there, look after yourself. Bye. <laughs>